Welcome to the Neighborhood Church Podcast. We are so thankful that you are listening in. The Neighborhood Church is all about helping people find and follow Jesus. We hope that through these podcasts you are encouraged, that you're inspired, and that you're provided with practical wisdom on how to find and follow Jesus. We hope that you enjoy today's podcast. Paul was raised a Jew, Paul was proud of being a Jew, but in Romans he's trying to give us some understanding of how to respond to and treat Gentiles, people from other cultures, who were coming into the church and what a massive change it was. So we're going to keep on that journey uh, tonight, Romans chapter 15. Pastor Logan already read the 13 verses we're looking at, but uh, I've titled my message, Now, 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 Uh, because it stuck out to me when I was reading this portion, this word. So three verses we're going to concentrate on tonight, Romans chapter 15 and uh, verse number 1. Now, we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Verse number five. Now, may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. And Romans 15 and verse 13. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know who it was in my life, but this is deeply planted in my mind. Now, 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 John. Now, 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 John. Here's a now, now, now word for us. And the first one uh, is Romans chapter 15 and uh, verse number one. Next slide, please. Romans 15 and verse one, the first now. Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Contemporary English version uh, says three things about this in verses 15, uh, 1 and 2, and I kind of like how it's worded. The first one is, we should be patient with the Lord's followers whose faith is weak. How do we respond to people whose faith is weak? And by the way, if you've been with us, people whose faith is weak are the ones who have all kinds of rules about how everybody else is supposed to be living. How do we, how do we handle them? We're patient with them. 
King James Version, New American Standard Version, uses the word bear with them. When I was in Bible college, I discovered Albert Barnes's commentary. And Albert Barnes says it's be indulgent with uh, these people. Endure them patiently. Don't contend with them about everything. So how do we handle the weak people amongst us? You're a, you're a person who has matured in Christ and understands your freedom in Christ. You're, you're patient. We're marked as the people of God with patience for other followers whose faith is weaker than ours. Second instruction in this portion. We should try to please them instead of ourselves. How many of you like that? You do. Good. We've got one spiritual person in the house. <laughs> Most of us prefer other people make us happy rather than us pleasing them. But in the kingdom, with all of these different people coming in and people who think differently than us, we should try to please them instead of ourselves. We're not self-centered people, friends. It's not about us. We try to please them, not ourselves. And then the third thing that comes up in this verse is we should think of their good and try to help them by doing what pleases them. Pretty clear instruction about how we're supposed to live in the kingdom of God. Pretty clear instruction. And why do we do that? Because Jesus is our example. Jesus shows us how to live that out. Jesus is the one who has been our example here. Uh, just as Christ did in verse number three. So how did Christ live? Number one, he came to do the will of God. Number two, he was willing to endure whatever trials and pains the will of God might demand. Number three, he did not seek personal comfort, wealth, friends, or honors. Fourthly, uh, he was patient and evinced kindness towards the ignorance, blindness, erroneous views, and ambitious projects of his disciples. That's the example of the Lord we follow. And we're supposed to be like, like him. That's how we live. Paul's trying to get these principles deep into our hearts as we try to recognize that the church is no longer a bunch of Jews who just keep all the same rules. Got to figure this stuff out. And then we move on to the second now. Now. May the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. Let me get some principles out of this now. It is God who gives us the perseverance and courage to live out the scriptures. I want to make two comments there. Catch in Romans 15, verse 5, the word encouragement. 
Do you understand what encouragement means? What's right in the middle there? Courage. And what's in front of it? E-N. In the Greek, that means full of. When somebody's encouraging you, what are they doing to you? They are restoring your courage. They're making you full of courage. And so we need to understand it's God who gives us the perseverance and courage to live out the scriptures. Where do you get scripture out of that verse, Pastor John? Well, those of you who attended Horizon Central Pentecostal College under Dr. Or Brian Glubish's years will remember this phrase. A text without a context is a pretext. Text without a context is a pretext. And the whole context of these verses right before verse 5 have to do with the fact the scriptures were written for our instruction so we'll know how to live. And so God gives us the perseverance and the courage to live out the scriptures. You don't have to do this on your own. You don't have to get strong on your own. God gives you the strength. God gives you the courage. God gives you the perseverance to keep on going. And God, uh, secondly, will help us live at peace with each other. I pray that he will help you live at peace with each other as you follow Christ. Romans chapter 15, verse 5, out of the contemporary English version. So God's desire is for us to live at peace with each other. Now, all of us have different ideas of what peace is. One thing I know for sure is when I have peace and when I don't have peace. We are not people who pick fights. We live at peace with each other. It's how Christians live. And the third thing that sticks out in this portion is the goal is a unified body glorifying God together, Romans chapter 15 and verse 6. All kinds of churches out there. There's some churches out there who when you come to Christ and begin your spiritual journey, what they really want to teach you in the first three months is everything you're not allowed to do. And they believe strongly that's what you do. You're saved now. We're going to teach you everything you're not allowed to do. And then there's other churches that come to Christ. That's not their approach. Their, their approach is to teach you everything you're supposed to do. And then there's other churches you will go to where you will learn everything every other church is doing that is wrong. That's what they specialize in. I want to suggest to you the, the foundation that we need to keep coming back to as believers is God's heart is to see a body of believers, the neighborhood church, God see a body of believers rise up whose foundational commitment is to see him honored and see him glorified should drive us. God be honored here. God be glorified in us. 
And so this God comes and gives us perseverance and encouragement with the end goal of a unified body that is glorifying God together. Now, now, now. Now, now, now. Verse number uh, 13 of Romans 15. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Did you catch that beautiful description of God? Did you catch that beautiful description of God? He is the God of hope. The God of hope. Francis Chan, uh, I don't really care if you like him or don't like him. I like him. Francis Chan talks about being asked to uh, speak at uh, uh, Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York. And he says, I hardly ever take my wife, but I just, I'm going to take my wife. I mean, it's New York. There's lots to do there. And he got some tickets for what was the best theater production on Broadway at the time, Lion King. And he's all excited and he's been bragging to his wife about, I got you tickets to the Lion King. And they go 20 minutes or so before to watch Lion King. They're standing in line to get into. He pulls out his tickets. He'd bought them on the internet. Presents them to the Ticketmaster. Ticketmaster puts them through the scanner and says, these tickets are no good. Can't let you in. Those aren't good tickets. And he says, well, you got any empty seats here? I don't really want it. No, we're sold out. And he'd been anticipating taking his wife out on this special night, and it all crumbled in about one minute at the ticket wicket. Some of you have that kind of an understanding of your relationship with God. And you're not so sure when you stand before him <laughs> that he's going to let you in. And a big reason a lot of us think like that is because we think we're the one who works hard enough, does enough, does enough of the right things, says enough of the right words, invites enough people to church, never puts on lipstick, whatever it is that's on your list. And you've done all that stuff, so God will say, come on in. Our hope, my friends, our hope, my friends, is not in ourselves. Our hope is not in a church. Our hope is not in any other place than in our wonderful God. God is our hope. He is the God of hope. 
And the second thing I get from this verse, not only is he the God of hope, click, click a couple of times probably here, or is that where we end? Okay. Uh, he, he is one more click. Not only is he the God of hope, he wants us uh, to abound in hope. God wants us to abound in hope. So God doesn't just want you to have back in the back of your mind somewhere this idea that God's a God of hope. God wants you to abound in hope, have lots of it. And hope in the Bible is not the way the hope is used in our culture. And in our culture we say, well, I sure hope that happens. Kind of hoping it'll all work out. That's how we use it. That is not biblical hope. Biblical hope is this sure, unwavering confidence. And God wants you to abound in a sure, unwavering confidence that God is for you. God's got your back. God's salvation for you is sure. God's salvation for you is complete. God is the God of hope, and he wants us to abound in it. Well, I think that's exciting. And thirdly, uh, one more click, this happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. This happens by the power of the hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't even have to do it. It's not your work. It's not your striving. It's not your struggling. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that wants to even tonight come into your heart and fill you with hope to the point that you abound in it. Absolute, sure conviction and confidence that what God has said is settled. Abounding. Abounding in hope. It's God's work. Psalm 62, verse 5. My soul, wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from him. Where do we get hope? Not by listening to podcasts, although there's good ones out there. Not by reading books. There's lots of good books out there. Our hope comes from him. And some of us just need to learn to rest and my mom's dead now, so I can say this. Rest and shut up in God's presence to hear his voice and hear him whisper into your spirit, have hope, have confidence in me. My hope is from great stuff packed into that those 13 verses in this chapter but I think the most important lesson here for us 
the greatest lesson here for us is that all of us need to live lives that are deeply rooted and grounded in Scripture. When we learn this, the end result in our life is joy and peace. The kingdom of God is not, we read this in Romans 14, the kingdom of God is not meat eating and drinking, but it is righteousness and peace and joy. When we get rooted and established in God's word, solidly grounded in Scripture, our Christian life becomes so much simpler. So the Christian life must be solidly grounded in, in Scripture. Romans chapter 15 and verse number 4. Whatever was written, whatever was written, whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Where do you get hope from? Where do you get perseverance from? Where do you get courage from? It's from being in the Word of God and knowing the Word of God and having hope in the Word of God, trusting the Word of God. The Christian life has to be deeply rooted in Scripture. Romans chapter 15 and, and verse number 3, and now I'm using the contemporary English version for most of the rest of the message. Even Christ did not try to please himself but as the scriptures say, the people who insulted you also insulted. So where's Paul's theology about how we handle people rooted and grounded in? It's in the scripture. He says, this is what the scripture says about how Jesus lived. Romans chapter 15 and verse number 4. Whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. Sorry, Romans chapter 15, verse 8. Let's go there now. Romans 15, verse 8. I tell you that Christ came as a servant of the Jews to show that God has kept the promises. He made his famous answer. You get into the word of God and you discover that God keeps his promises and you get confident today that God is going to walk with you through the challenges and the difficulties and the disturbances, the tough times of life. That's where our hope comes from. The Christian life has to be deeply rooted in God's word. Romans chapter 15 and verse 9. Romans 15 verse 9. Christ also came so that the Gentiles would praise God for being kind to them. It is just as the scriptures say. How did Paul figure out his theology? How did Paul figure out his life? Well, it's as the scriptures say. 
Romans chapter 15 and verse 10, the scriptures also. So our Christian life is deeply rooted, grounded. Romans 15 verse 11, again, the scriptures say, Romans 15 and verse 12, Isaiah says, Isaiah is a book in the Bible. The book of Isaiah in the Bible says, Christian life. Solidly grounded in Scripture. We have pre-service prayer before all of our services. Uh, Saturday evening, we come together and pray at quarter to five for our service through till about 5.30. And I was praying, and as we were praying, I got a picture of my... My grandpa, and then I got a picture of my grandma in my mind. And I realized the only book I ever saw them hold in my life was the Bible. They lived and read (laughs) and studied the Word of God. I must confess, I have a few other books. I must also acknowledge, Grandma and Grandpa weren't as confused as me. Because they were totally, completely (laughs) rooted in Scripture. Our, uh, our culture is, is not simple. The culture that has become normal is so different than the culture that I was in when we even first got married. There's so much information everywhere. You can find anything out within 30 seconds. Just Google it. And most of us don't have to go very far to find a place to Google it. Information everywhere. And many of us, and I don't follow you around all week, so if this is you, just take this as the Holy Spirit talking to you. Many of us go through entire weeks spending 200, 300 more time, times more time in all kinds of other sources than we do in God's Word. The only way <laughs> to have a life, a Christian life, that is deeply rooted, solid, is to be deeply rooted in Scripture. So, now, now, now. Let's be people who are in the Word. I have to confess to you that the last six weeks or so, I've hated preaching.
because the truths of Romans chapter 14 (laughs) that call us to accept other people and embrace other people who see things differently than us, it's much easier for me to just let you be happy living the way you are. Keep your rules. Fight about lipstick and Easter bunnies and who knows what else. But I can't do it because I know the only way to really have a solid church and the only way to have solid Christians in a solid church is for us to get our standards and our convictions from what has been written for us and not from the traditions of generations past or the podcasts of some guy we know absolutely nothing about except that he knows how to make podcasts. Live a life that's deeply grounded in the Word of God. So I want us to take a minute and I just kind of want us to close our eyes across this gym. And I want you to be, uh, I want you to have some honest communication with God. And just allow him to talk to you about whether <laughs> your belief system is more rooted in what people have said to you and what culture is saying to you or is it rooted in scripture and whatever answer you get there uh, maybe just talk to God about either keeping you or helping you get to this deep commitment to a faith that is deeply rooted in God's word And then one last thing, in the final analysis, the most important thing everybody has to grapple with in life is what are you putting your hope in? What are you putting your confidence in? Friends, we don't put our hope and confidence in other people. We don't put our hope and confidence in our church. We don't put our hope and our confidence in our own goodness, our own behavior. 
Our hope needs to be built on nothing less than Jesus Christ. We are so thankful that you've listened in to the Neighborhood Church Podcast. If you have questions or comments about what you've heard, we would love to hear from you. Go to the podcast description and follow the link to get in touch with us. Everything we do would not be possible without your generosity. If you would like to give, check out that same link in the podcast description. If you have enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.